Well, this morning I'm going to I'm going to venture away from the way maybe I normally preach. I, I hope it probably won't be a lot different, but it's, it's going to be a little different. And I'm going to I'm just going to share. Um, I don't know so much as as a sermon as much as some encouragement and and maybe some some teaching that will encourage you. Uh, we serve a God who is a God of promises. Amen? He gives promises. But God also fulfills those promises. He's a God who gives promises. He's a God who fulfills promises. And we all, all of us here this morning, enjoy certain promises that God has given. We enjoy them in common. They're, 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 they're the things that, uh, that we all enjoy. But there are some specific ones that He's given to each of us. There are some things that that He's spoken into our spirits that are ours. Now, some of them we have realized. Amen? Okay. It was a little slow, but but and I know it's a little warm, but we're doing better. I'm gonna complain again this week, and maybe the board of education will turn it down a few. We got it turned down a little bit, okay? So it's a little cooler. But our God is a God who gives us promises, and 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 both those common promises and those promises that He's given to us as individuals kind of come together, and and they weave the plan that God created for each of us. God has a plan for every one of us this morning. Every one of us. And every, as those promises are fulfilled, we kind of step into the purpose of God. It's a step-by-step process. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, I really don't believe God has a purpose for me. I, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of floating along out there, and I'm not real sure about that, Nelson. Or you may be here this morning and, and you failed somewhere along the way. There's been a failure in your life and, and maybe a shortcoming or, or maybe it was a disaster in your past and now you believe that God can't use you. Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, God is using you. It's not that He can't use you. He is using you right now whether you realize it or not. Failures, God's omnipotent, okay? That means He has all power. So our failures are not going to slow Him down. He just picks us up, dusts us off, gives us a little push, and off we go again. Maybe you're here, though, and you believe God can't use me. You know, maybe I've forfeited my shot at God's purpose. Or maybe, perhaps, you've been waiting and you've been praying, and you're doing everything you know to do, and you still haven't seen the purpose fulfilled. I'll bet that's, that's a bunch of us. And then there's some here, probably, this morning, but you never even heard the fact that God even has a plan for you. This may be new to you. I want you to listen to this passage. If you fall into any of those categories, I want you to listen to a passage. It's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. It's in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 through 14. We're just going to read the, the, the first part of verse 14. God's speaking. In the context here, He's speaking to a nation that's been that's sent into exile. God has has punished the nation of Israel, but He hasn't forgotten the promises that He made to them, that He began to make with them in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and through Moses and through Joshua and through the kings. He hadn't forgotten those promises. And so he, He comes and He speaks to Jeremiah and He tells Jeremiah that in 70 years, I'm going to bring my people back to the land. I'm going to restore them. Then he says these words. God says this. He says in verse 11, he says, For I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you declares the Lord. God has a plan, folks, for every one of us this morning. And that plan includes a future and a hope. That's what God says. That's not what, what, what I'm trying to tell you from my heart. That's what God says from His heart. I have a plan for you individually. For every person in this room, I have a plan. 
Now, often God reveals those plans by giving us a promise. And we're going to talk about more than the plan today. We're going to talk about the promise. And even more than the promise, we're going to talk about something else because I think this will help all of us. But God often reveals his purpose for us by giving us promise. And very often, those promises come straight out of this book, okay? You ever, have you ever read something and it just jumped off the pages? It just grabbed hold of your eyeballs and your heart and you knew God's speaking to me right now. This is for me. This is for me. Well, you know, that's how God most often gives us those promises. They come straight out of the book. But sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak a promise into your heart. See, God's not silent, folks. God still speaks. And very often the Holy Spirit will speak a promise from God into our hearts. Sometimes that promise may come when we're praying. Sometimes it may come when we're worshiping. Some of, some of the promises God has given me over my lifetime have come in the middle of worship. I'd just be worshiping all of a sudden, all the sound and all the sights just blink off, and it was just me and God. And the Spirit of God would just speak to me. Sometimes it comes when we're sleeping. You ever woke up with something and you couldn't figure out where it came from? Might have been God, especially if it's good. If it's bad, probably wasn't God, okay? But God can speak to us uh, even in our sleep. Uh, he, He provides for us. He provides for His beloved even in our sleep. Sometimes God can speak to us while we're driving down the road. There have been times when I was on a, on a long trip when God would just it'd just be me and God in the car. I, I, I mean, the radio would be playing or the, the CD would be playing, but I didn't hear it. It was just me and God having a conversation. So sometimes God can give us those promises, but wherever He does it, God is a God of promises. Very often, it'll come in after a mountaintop experience where you've, where you've gotten really close with God. That can happen in a worship service. That can ha- happen if you go to a conference, uh, if you go to a, a meeting where uh, God just seems to sit down. Very often, there's a mountaintop there. It can happen sometimes after you fast or you've had an extended time of, of prayer and intercession. But... God gives promises. Now, we're going to be a little interactive today, okay? I'm not asking you trick questions, all right? So just relax. But what do you expect when God gives you a promise? I want you to think about that. What do you expect to happen? Okay? When do you expect it to happen? Right now. That's ex- that's the end. that's all of us. If we, I mean, let's just be honest. When God gives you a promise, uh, when do you expect it to take place? Right now. And folks, therein lies our problem. There's where we get sometimes get discouraged. Now, sometimes God answers right now. I've seen Him do that, but more often than not, the promise God gives us is for a time down the road. Now. We're used to having everything right now. And so we don't, patience is not one of our virtues. Amen? Amen. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear the amen there. It's not. It, it's, it's one of those things that's, that's hard for us. We expect God to fulfill it right now. And so what happens is, when He doesn't, what happens? We get discouraged, don't we? Or we think, well, there must be something wrong with me. I must have done something. Do you realize that a lot of God's promises are unconditional? That means they're not conditioned on us. He's going to fulfill them no matter what. And then there are some promises that are conditional. They are conditioned on whether or not we are obedient, whether or not we follow what He's told us to do. But our problem more often than not, is that that we get discouraged because God gives us the promise and then all of a sudden, hell breaks loose. Everything that could happen, happens. And that's what I want to talk about today. I I want to try to explain why that's the case and also encourage you in that time. I've got a friend that puts it like this. He says, between the mountain of promise and the mountain of provision 
is the valley of preparation. See, very often when God gives us a promise, it's on one of those mountaintop experiences. And as God whispers that promise into our spirit, I mean, we can we hear God and we can envision what that promise is going to look like fulfilled. And we can almost reach out there and grab hold of it. See, what's happening is we're standing on the mountain of promise. And we're looking at the mountain of provision. And it's, it's, it's right there. And I can almost put my hand on it. Have you, ever, have you ever gone hiking in the mountains? Or maybe a better term was, I'm probably not going to get a, a response. Have you ever gone walking on some of the mountain trails? That's perhaps better, okay? Well, you know, as you get up in the mountains, Kathy and I, several years ago, we, we were going to hike up to the, or walk up. We weren't doing a lot of hiking, but we were going to walk up to the chimney tops. And after you get up past the beaten path, you get a little higher. You know what? Those mountain tops, they just seem like they're, they're just, you could just reach out and touch them. The problem is, is when you go back down, they're miles and miles and miles away, sometimes hundreds of miles away. And so what happens is we have a problem, and it's called depth perception. When we're on the mountaintop, it seems like the provision for our promise is right there. But really it's not. It's a little bit farther away. And so once we come off that mountain, we can see a little bit better with reality. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a journey. It's a trip. And so as we, we do that, very often we get discouraged. It's farther than I thought. It's going to be longer than I thought. Maybe I missed something. Have you ever thought, well, maybe I just wasn't listening close enough to God and I missed something He was saying? I heard about the promise he was given and that everything else shut off. I didn't realize it was going to be a long trip, that it was going to take a while. You know, if that's where you are today, welcome to the Valley of Preparation. And, and you may say, well, preparation for what? Preparation for what? The preparation required to receive the promise of God that propels us into God's purpose. See, God doesn't just give us promises to get us excited. God gives us promises so that He can make the provision, so that we can step into the purpose and accomplish what He's put us here for, folks. The promise is a part of His purpose. It's the future and the hope thing. Now, the valley that He calls us into, and some of you know what I'm talking about. A lot, of, a lot of people have different names for it. You ever heard of this term, the dark night of the soul? Some people call it that. Now, that's, that's something from many, many, many years ago. But that's, that's how they used to term it, the dark night of the soul. How about the desert? You ever felt like you were in the desert or the wilderness? And you're just kind of wandering around? How about the furnace? Any of you been there? I have actually even heard people uh, call it Gethsemane. Jesus went through a valley, okay? He knew God's plan, and He knew God's purpose, and yet He spent a horrible, horrible night where He labored with the purpose, His purpose and His plan. He he labored with what it was going to take to get the provision. It was Gethsemane. And sometimes it's like Gethsemane. But whatever you choose to call call this place, It's the place where God prepares us to receive the fulfillment of the promise. It's where we get the provisions. It's where we learn to hold on to the provisions. It's not an easy place, okay? I wish I could tell you it's going to be a fruitful journey. You're going to get stopped, smell the flowers, and and you're going to enjoy the shade and all that stuff, but that's not what it is, okay? I'm, I'm just not going to lie to you. There will be some blessings in this journey. And there will also be some dangers. There will be some curses in a sense. This is the place where, where God cooks us. We don't like to think about that. He breaks us. How many of you like breaking? Nobody's hand goes up. None of us do. It's not a fun thing. It's the place where He turns our lives upside down and inside out. It's where He pours into us 
and then turns around and stomps out what he poured into us. It's where he fills us up and he molds us into someone that he can use. He's not going to abandon us in the valley, okay? He's just working on us as he takes us through there. So understand this. You've got to prepare yourself. Because the valley is a time where you're going to be tried, you're going to be tested, you're going to be tempered. It's going to get hot in the valley, okay? And you're going to be trained for the next phase that God has for you. The reality of it is that the journey across the valley is just as important as that climb you'll make to get that provision. That journey is important because if you don't learn the lessons of the journey, it's very likely you'll never make the climb to get God's provision for your promise. So we have to learn to survive in the valley. And, and not just survive, but thrive. The valley is a good thing. Say it with me. The valley is a good thing. Okay. Once you get out there, or if you're in there, I know that's hard to say, but it is a good thing. But we have to prepare ourselves. My desire this morning is is to help us thrive as we cross it. In our Christian lives, folks, there are going to be many mountains of promise. God's going to give you many promises over your lifetime. And He's going to have another mountain of provision for every one of those promises. But guess what is between every one of those promises and the provision? There's a valley of preparation every time. So this is not a one-time journey. This is one of these. You're either coming off the mountain of promise, going into the valley of preparation, or you're coming out of the valley of preparation, going up the mountain of provision. And guess what? If you're on top of the mountain of provision, you're fixing to start down again with another promise into another valley. It's, it's, a, it's the journey that we have here. God's purpose in this valley is to prepare us for that steep climb ahead where the provision is. Now, the, the thing about climbing is, is it requires strength and perseverance and skill, and faith, and obedience. And here's the thing about God. God loves us so much that He prefers to train us on flat ground before we get up into ground where a bobble, or a slip, or a trip, or a fall could cost us everything. And so He trains us on flat ground. He trains us in the valley. It's kind of like basic training. So as we come down off that mountain of promise, what we typically do is we kind of overpack for the journey. Now, I've got a backpack here, and you're saying, well, Nelson, you must really be a hiker. Don't believe it, okay? I've just found that in traveling, especially on airplanes, you can't beat this thing right here. And so it's kind of been around the world with me. But very often when we we come off from that promise, we kind of overpack. We prepare ourselves. We prepare ourselves. I mean, this is what's going to take to get this. This is what's going to take to do this. And so what happens is, is we stuff all we think we need inside of this. How many of you have ever gone on a vacation or a trip and they told you to pack light? And you did. Except your suitcase was this high and this wide. And you didn't wear hardly any of it. I have found that on every mission trip I have ever gone on, no matter how light I packed, I packed too much. Now, some of you are going, there's no way you can pack too much. But you can. Most of the stuff we think we need, we really don't need after all. In fact, the stuff that we most of the time want to take with us slows us down. And this is especially true in what I'm talking about. The things we want to carry with us on that trip across God's valley of preparation, it won't help us. In fact, as you get started on that trip, God's going to slide up beside you every so often. He's going to say, hey, why don't you throw that down? Why don't you let that go? Why don't you jettison that? Man, that that thing is, is crushing you. That backpack's way too heavy for you. A lot of those things, folks, 
let's just be real honest here. They're going to be emotional things. They're going to be things from our past. God's never going to run his hand down in your backpack or my backpack and grab it. He's going to say, hey, why don't you take it out and toss it? If you'll toss it, I'll take care of it. And so sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes, you know, it's it's spiritual garbage we've picked up. Things we've learned that they're not biblical. But somebody else said was. Something we've seen on TV or read in a book. Or heard from a pulpit. And I'm just, you know, I'm going to speak for, for pastors. Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes uh, we don't know what we're talking about. I know that doesn't give you much confidence, but the reality of it is, is that's what it is. Sometimes pastors talk really loud because they want to make you believe they know what they're talking about when they really don't. Sometimes we don't know everything. I mean, I know it's not sometimes. Pastors don't know everything. Okay, if I could sit down right here and somebody else could be speaking, what's the difference? What's the difference? I, I'm, I'm, we're all the same. We don't know everything, and sometimes we 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 stuff things in our backpack that we don't really need. And what happens is we get out in that valley. And those things start crawling out of the backpack. And instead of being focused on what God has for us, what is ahead of us, and putting one foot in front of the other, we start having to fight those things off. And and before we know it, we've gotten turned around. And you know what? We don't know which mountain we were headed for. You know, there's lots of mountains out there. And when you're standing on that mountain of promise and you see that mountain of provision, it, you, you know what it looks like. But before you get down in the valley and you get turned around and you're fighting stuff off of you that's coming out of you, guess what? You, you don't know if you're coming or going. A lot of that stuff, like I said, sometimes it's hurt. Sometimes it's wounds. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's, it's lies we believe. But God's desire on that journey across is to confront those things, to reveal them. But not just to confront and reveal. God wants to heal them. Okay, that's one of the reasons we're in the valley is so that he can, he can make us healthy enough to take hold of that provision, to take hold of that promise. There's a beautiful passage in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. It says, humble yourselves, humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time. Cast all your cares, all your anxiety, that's the word, all your anxiousness upon Him because He cares for you. On that trip across that valley, God wants the things that worry you. The things that keep you awake at night. The things that when everything seems to be going well, pop up in your mind and remind you that it's not well. God wants those things. Now, I've got this back back here, and I'm going to give you a, a, a sort of an illustration of what I'm talking about. Now, whenever we go to the mountains, we 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 walk some of the trails. I would like to call it hiking, but it's really not hiking, okay? But we walk those trails. And, you know, I just got to thinking about it. Boy, if I'm packing, God says, Nelson, you and I are going to go on a long walk, a hike. I'm thinking about what I'm going to need. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I think of something to drink, you know what comes to my mind? Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> so, man, I'm just going to stick me a bit. In fact, I do this when I travel. I don't depend on the, the stores to have them anymore. I carry my own. Okay? So I got, I got a big old two-liter bottle. Now, it's pretty heavy. And you know what? After a mile or two in the hot weather, you know what I really want? water. So the Diet Mountain Dew is worthless. I mean, it's useless. In fact, it'll, if I drink it and don't drink water, I won't make many miles. Okay? Now, I've got a real nice towel in here that I can kind of dab the sweat, but you know what? After a few miles, it's going to be just as wet as I am, so really, it's worthless too. Well, God, you know, you know, he pointed out some other things. He said, son, you've got some shoes in there. I know, God, I've got those Nikes, man. They are awesome. People are going to like my Nikes. 
They're going to like my T-shirt that goes with it, my, 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 my pants that I got with it. But you know what? On a, on a hike, in reality, those Nikes, it, it, it really is not the saying it's better to look good than to feel good. That's not true. After a couple of miles, it's better to feel good than just to look good. Who cares what you look like? Okay? And so most of the stuff I've got in my backpack right now are just weights. Try to find a boom box because I like music. Okay? I just stuffed it in there too. But the reality of it is, after a few miles, it's so daggum heavy, it's not going to benefit me anything. And folks, this all of us have one of these. Emotionally. Spiritually speaking. And, and some of our bags are make this bag look little. Okay? It's like an elephant on our back. And the problem is, is that the reason we're going across that valley is because God wants to lighten that load. He wants to deal with what's in there, what's in here as we cross. You see, God wants to unpack the unnecessary stuff. He wants to replace it with some things as well. You know, on this valley, on this journey across this valley of preparation, things like Forgiveness and repentance, being filled with the Spirit, verses of Scripture, being perseverance, faith, those things are not nearly as heavy as unforgiveness and anger and bitterness and hurt. And so what God wants to do is He wants to take those things out and put His things in. So to cross this valley efficiently and effectively, I've got to get rid of some of the weights. I've got to allow God to get rid of them. When He points them out, I've got to allow Him then to deal with them. Or what's going to happen is I'm going to get part of the way across the valley. I'm going to get tripped up. I'm going to be worn out. If all I've got is Diet Mountain Dew, I'm going to die of thirst. And it won't be long till the vultures are picking my bones. That, that's just reality. That's a graphic picture, but that's reality. And folks, God did not intend that to happen. There's a beautiful verse in Hebrews chapter 13. Excuse me, chapter 12. Verse 1 and, and the second part of uh, the first part of verse 2, it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside. Let us throw this thing down. That's, that's what the passage means. Let us throw down, lay aside every encumbrance. You see, some of those things are things we've picked up. They're things that we've allowed, we've put in there. And then it says, and the sin." which so easily entangles us. Have you ever gotten tangled up in the woods? I mean, I go out and work in the woods with a chainsaw, and the first thing that happens is a honeysuckle vine just kind of comes up, loops itself around my leg, and, and, and I go to stumbling. It happens every time. That, that's the picture here. It says, we've got to lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so eagerly, easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ. Now, we've got to let God unpack our backpack. We've got to let Him unpack our hearts. But on the, the journey across, we've all got, also got to learn something. And, and to learn it, we have to do some exercise. Now, I know if you're like me, I don't really like exercise, okay? And you can look at me and probably tell I don't. I'm just not a big fan of it. But exercise builds perseverance. It builds strength. And so another resource that i got to have, and I do mean have, has got to be developed. It's like a muscle. And that's perseverance. All kinds of problems are going to present themselves as we cross that valley. Everything you can imagine. How many of you realize that sometimes they're going to come in multiples? Do you all ever have just one problem? Or at your house, do they come in droves, in threes and fours, in hordes? 
Okay, whenever we have an issue at home, it's like, my gosh, they've got reinforcements. Everything starts to go wrong. Not just one thing, but lots of things. Now, a problem is something that, that, that throws itself out in front of you and then says, what are you going to do about me? What are you going to do about me? They're designed, folks, to make us give up. And guess who designs them? They're designed to make us give up. Now, we have some options whenever we encounter a problem. In fact, we've got four options. I'm going to share them with you. But I want to say this. There are no easy routes across this valley. Okay? You can't send $99 in and somebody sends you something that will help you get across this valley in an easier way. It just does not exist. The only way you will cross this valley is put one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. You can do this way. You can jump. You can hop. But you've got to go from this point to that point. So there's no easy way to get there. So when a problem stands up in front of you, what are you going to do about it? Well, you can depend on your past accomplishments, your bank account, your 401K, what, all those things that you've accumulated. And you can turn around and you can go back where you came from, where you started the journey. Now, that's the old, we had all the leeks and onions and Egypt mentality, yet we were brick-making slaves. That, that's that mentality. I'll just, I'll just quit. I'll go back. It's better where I was than than it's going to be over there. That's one option. There's another option. You can compromise and go around the problem. The only problem is is that you're going to wander in circles because that problem is going to show up everywhere you go. Kind of like it's following you. To me, that's the old... uh, Let's run laps in the desert mentality that the Israelites did for 40 years. They said, no, we're not going in. Guess what? They ran laps. They saw the same scenery over and over and over. And that's what will happen if you try to go around it. You can sit down in front of the problem and just give up. It's just too hard. You know, that's kind of the, the, the mentality of stick a fork in me, I'm done. And you see that throughout Scripture. Some of the the mightiest men and women of God have done that. They've sat down and said, God, just kill me. I'm done. Those first three are options. They're not really choices. Okay? You really only have one choice when a problem arises in front of you. And that is that you can fix your eyes on it. Well, not fix your eyes on it. Fix your eyes on the go. Step into the problem. In other words... Hit it. Don't go around it. Don't go over it. Go through it. That's the I trust you, God, mentality. God, I trust you. I don't know what's going to happen when I step into this place. It's unknown here. I've never been here before. But I trust you. I trust you. Problems are a lot like dogs on the chain. Any of you have a dog that you have to keep on a chain? We have some dogs that we keep in a fence. They bark a lot. In fact, this morning at, at 5.30 when I was loading the trailer on the back of the truck, he was just barking and for no reason. I mean, he was barking because I was outside. But it was, you know, if I go up there, you know what he's going to do? His tongue's wagging, his tail's wagging. That's all he's going to do. And, folks, most problems are like dogs on a chain. They're more bark than they are bite. Most of the problems that that jump up in front of us, if we would just face them and deal with them, they'll be done. They come with a lot more bark than they have bite. And so we have to, those problems are there to teach us perseverance. They're there to teach us, you know, that God's bigger than our problems. I love what the promise, this is one of the promises that, that God has not given us or that God has given us that we have in common. All of us have this promise. I want you to listen to this. 
Because you're going to need these two. It's the same promise. It's just said in a different way. But you're going to need this somewhere along your journey. The first one's found in Hebrews 13, latter part of verse 5 and 6. For he himself, for Jesus said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? Jesus said, I will never desert you. I don't care how long it takes us to get across this valley of preparation. I will never desert you. I won't ever leave you. I won't ever forsake you. I'll never leave you by yourself. You won't have to depend on yourself as you cross this valley. Then in Matthew 28 and 20 it says, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. I will be with you always. Folks, when we come off that mountain of promise, we have God's promise that Jesus will be with us. He will never forsake us, no matter how dry it gets, no matter how hot it gets, no matter how much time we spend in that valley. Jesus will not forsake us. Now, we've got to learn to, to lighten our backpack. We've got to learn to persevere. But there's also a couple of dangers that we've got to watch out for as we make that crossing. One of them's obvious, and the other one maybe is not so obvious. So I'm going to start with the not so obvious ones first. The first one is just the daily grind of the ordinary. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, life is just about a billion little bitty things that we have to deal with every day. Y'all with me? Y'all tracking with me? It's ordinary stuff. It's, it, it's, it's normal decisions, simple things like, like family, finances, husbands, wives, children, grandchildren, work, hobbies, shopping. Retirement, on and on and on. Just, just the, just the small stuff, the regular stuff. Susie's got to be here at this time. Billy's got to be here at that time. I got to be there at this time. Mama's got to be there at that time. How are we going to all get there on time? It's, it's just the, the normal stuff. Oh my gosh, it's, it's five thirty. Everybody's going to be here. We got to have supper. You know, it's just that kind of stuff. It's, it's the ordinary, ordinary stuff. It's the stuff every day is made of. And you know what? When you're in the middle of that stuff, sometimes you're tempted to cut corners. Amen? Amen. Well, what if I just let this slide and deal with this? And folks, you're going to find as you cross that valley, there's going to be a whole lot of ordinary. The same old, same old every day. And you know what? It really does matter. It matters to God. And God's watching us to see how faithful we are in the ordinary things. How many of you realize that it's, it's, it's in, the, in the muck of the ordinary that the extraordinary stuff happens? You realize that? How many of you realize that it, it's in just in that natural stuff that supernatural stuff happens, that miracles take place? That's where they come out of. It's just being faithful in the day-to-day stuff that we're all a part of. Luke put it this way, he, or Jesus put it this way in, in Luke chapter 16, who, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. One of the greatest examples of what I'm trying to talk about is in the life of a of a, of a prophet named Elisha. One day, Elisha was just plowing his ox out in his father's field. And a man walked by whose ha- name happened to be Elijah. Now, I'm going to get my Elijah and my Elisha mixed up, I can tell you already, because my tongue is already locking on this stuff. But Elijah walked by. He took off his, his mantle. He just pitched it. And it landed on Elisha's shoulders. You know what that meant? It meant that Elisha was now 
the prophet of Israel, that he was the replacement for Elijah. This is Elijah who slew the 400 prophets of Baal, called down fire on the mountain, and a whole bunch of other things. And he's just tossed that mantle on this young man. Well, after that takes place, you don't read a lot about Elijah for several chapters. That's because Elisha kind of disappears from the scene. He doesn't go to Jerusalem and get on the prophetic talk show. He doesn't write a book about prophecy. He doesn't line everybody up. He didn't tell the thousands of Israel to come. He had a word from God. You know what he did? He became the servant of Elisha. He fixed breakfast. He washed the old man's clothes. He got the water bottles ready for the journeys. He built the fire. He put the fire out. He did the laundry. He washed the dishes. He cooked the food. In fact, after Elijah is translated into heaven in the chariot, someone speaks to one of the kings about Elisha, and he doesn't even know Elisha's name. He goes, oh, you're talking about the guy who used to pour water over the prophet's hands. In other words, the guy who washed Elijah's hands. They don't even know who Elisha is. You see, Elisha was faithful for ten years of doing the ordinary stuff. Even though the mantle had been placed on him. Even though he had been assigned that job. That was was the promise of God. He didn't see the provision for almost ten years. Why? Because he was learning to be faithful in the little stuff. Folks, those who are faithful in a little can be trusted with a lot. And the reality of it is, is if we're not faithful in the little things, that's why God doesn't trust us with any more. Now, that's not my... That's just the Word of God. Ultimately, because Elisha was faithful, he steps into the job as the prophet. It's interesting. We don't have time to... To, to go there today, but when Elijah asked Elisha what he wanted him to give him, it's interesting what he said. I want a double portion, a double portion of your ministry. He didn't say, I want the miracles. I want to be able to stand in front of thousands and tell them what's going to happen tomorrow or ten years from now. I want to be famous. He didn't say that. In essence, he said, I want to continue your ministry on a double portion. You know why he could say that? It's because for ten years he learned what being a servant was. Listen to me. If you want to be a teacher, become a servant. If you want to be a leader, become a servant. If you want to become a prophet, become a servant. God can use men and women who want to serve. He can use them as prophets and teachers and preachers and in any position He wants to use them in. But He cannot use a prophet or a teacher or a preacher or a leader who won't serve. Folks, we've got a glut of those folks in the world we live in. God's looking for men and women who will just be servants. And so we've got to learn to work and to be faithful in the ordinary. In the tyranny of the ordinary. If we're faithful in that, God will use it. And folks, a lot of that journey is going to be right there. Now that's one danger. There's another danger. And you're probably going to encounter the devil along your journey. That is if you're doing things right. Now listen to me. If you don't ever see him, guess what? You're lost. Somewhere out there in the... I don't mean you're lost, spiritually speaking. I'm talking about you've been spun around and around and around and you're not heading anywhere close to the right direction. So if you don't ever see him, guess what? You're not going in the right direction. But if you're going in the right direction, you're probably going to see him. And if you see him, you need to understand something. His goal is to stop you from achieving the purpose God has for you. He wants to steal your promise. Whose promise is it? 
It is God's promise. But whose promise is it? God gave it to who? Me. It's my promise. It does not belong to who? Anybody else. It does certainly does not belong to the devil. Now, I'm confronting something here. Some of you are going to have to be a little more militant if you ever want to get the provision for the promise. You're going to have to be a little, that's mine. If you go back here in the nursery area, when we get three or four, two or three-year-olds together, and there's one toy they all want, what do they do? You take that toy. No, no, no. My dad said for me to share with you. You take that toy. What do they do? That's my toy. Okay, this, that's my promise. And he wants to steal it. How many of you open your front door and let a thief in and help him load the truck at your house? None of you. But yet we allow the devil to steal our promises right and left, folks. We allow him to take what's not his. And when he confronts us crossing that valley, he's not there to help us out. He's there to steal the promise God has given us. Folks, he makes his living off stealing promises. You know how he got in charge of this planet the first time? He stole the promise that God had given Adam and Eve. He stole it. They gave it to him and he took it. He stole it. And so he lives off stolen promises and he wants yours and he wants mine. And folks, he'll do whatever he can to get it. Here's what he'll do. He'll, he'll, you'll see him. He'll be standing like this. You know, you're way out there. There's nobody around for miles. I probably need to slow down and give this guy a ride. Listen to me. He never just wants to ride. He always wants to drive. He will not just ride. He will slide over in your place and he will drive your vehicle and you will end up somewhere as far away from the provision of God as you can get. He will never take you close to God. May I suggest something else that you do when you see this may sound a little radical. Lock your doors, roll your windows up, and mash the gas as hard as you can. And if he doesn't move, run over him. In Jesus' name. Y'all think I'm kidding, don't you? I'm not. Run over him. If you have to swerve to hit him, run over him. Because he's not there to help you. He's there to destroy you. He's the problem. He's between you and the provision. Go through it. Folks, if you're on the right track, you will see him. Okay? You, you can just mark that one down. Brother Nelson said, I will see You will see him. He will be there. He will jump up at the most inopportune moment, in the most unguarded moment, and he'll do his best to take what is yours. Listen to what First Peter, verse 5, 8 and 9 says. Be a sober spirit. Be on the alert. In other words, as you're crossing this valley, keep your eyes open and be awake. For your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Or as... I translated it, stomp the gas and run over him. Guess what? He'll move. He really will. He'll get out of the way. Firm in your faith. So the two dangers are the devil and the ordinary. The two things we we got to learn is to unpack our backpack and persevere. So we so we pack lightly, we pack smart. We persevere through every problem. We, we're faithful in the small things. And we don't partner with the devil. Listen, he can't get in. He cannot affect you if you do not partner with him. He has no power over you if you won't be his partner. And what will happen, folks, is listen to me. You will eventually cross that valley. You will get from where you descended off the mountain of promise to the place where you begin to ascend the mountain of provision. You will get there. I know. I've, I've crossed a few. If we were all real honest, we've all crossed a few. You will get there. Let me encourage you. 
Now, when you get there, listen to me. Don't just stare at it. Don't just stare at it. Don't daydream about it. Reach out and take it. God's prepared you to grasp it. He's prepared you for everything you need is now in place. Start climbing and grab it. Take hold of it. Folks, that's what the past 60 days or 6 months or 6 years or 60 years has been about. It's about getting the provision that God has so that you can step into the purpose God has for you. And so when you, when you stand face to face with that provision, don't just stare at it like it's some kind of trophy. Man, just get it off there and rub it all over you, okay? I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Get into it. Take it. Use it. God intended. That's what He's been, he's been building and constructing you to do. Seize the day. I love that, that saying, carpe diem. Seize the day. Seize the promise. Now, one more thing and we're done. I said this a few minutes ago, but I want to, I want to reemphasize this one more time. Once you've stepped into the promise and the provision is stored away, I mean, it, it's become yours, and you're seeing it lived out, get ready. Okay? God's about to show you another promise. And when you see that promise, guess what you'll see? You'll see another mountaintop of provision. If you're not careful, you'll forget about what? That valley of preparation. With every promise and every provision is a time of preparation. That's just the way God's chosen to do it. So take a deep breath. Okay? Savor the moment. Enjoy the promise that God's given you. Enjoy the provision that He's given you. But get ready to descend because you're headed back into another valley. That's, that's just the way it is, this side of heaven. Amen. Does that help? Any of you in the valley of preparation? You may have gone through one this week and come out. I mean, it, it happens that way. You may be in one that's a lot longer. Mine tend to be longer. But occasionally God gives me some short ones. Folks, we've got a God who gives us promises. And He gives us the answers to those promises. But He prepares us so that we don't waste those promises. I don't know about you, but but since I've learned that and I'm learning that, I don't want to waste anything God's given me. I want to use it to its fullest. Folks, God, the God on the mountaintop is the God of the valley. He's the same God. If He was with you on the mountaintop, He'll be with you in the valley. I want to encourage you in that. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. Father, this morning, I just pray, Lord, that... For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.